We very rarely sing 500-year-old songs, but that was a 500-year-old song. Uh, We certainly don't sing many songs written by a Catholic priest who had been convicted of heresy, Uh, but that was such a song uh, written by Martin Luther 500 years ago. The reason I mention that is because I want to go through that song with you just a bit before we begin our sermon. Martin Luther said, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, never failing. Some of us probably skip right over that word because we don't talk about bulwarks these days. Uh, that's a defensive wall, an uh, embattlement, an uh, earthen work put up to protect you or something. Uh, he says God is that kind of bulwark. He says, our ancient foe is still after us. He's talking about Satan, the one who wants to destroy us, uh, the one who comes to kill and steal and destroy. And he says, on earth is not his equal. Uh, There's nobody on earth as powerful as Satan, including us. So if Satan hates us, If he wants to destroy us, and he's more powerful than us, uh, what hope do we have? And that's what Martin Luther puts in the second stanza. He says, did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Uh, He admits that by ourselves. Uh, We couldn't do it, but Jesus is on our side. And then he says, this is the best part of the song to me. He says, do you want to know who that is? Do you ask who the right man is? Christ Jesus. It is he. And then he says something that we probably mispronounce when we sing it. It's not Lord Sabbath. It's not about being Lord of the day of rest, is Lord Sabaoth. Sabaoth means the heavenly host. It means the angelic armies. And Martin Luther says, the one that's with us is Lord of the heavenly host. He's commander of the angel armies. And that's a biblical truth. Revelation 19 says that John the Revelator said he saw heaven opened and he saw a white horse and the rider on him was named Faithful and True and he was called the Word of God and following him were the heavenly host on white horses. Now there is a heavenly host and Jesus is the commander of those armies. The reason I mention all that is because we're going to sing that song again in just a few minutes. Uh, We're going to sing that at the close of the sermon, and I hope after that vocabulary lesson and a a few other things that we talk about today, that song means more to you than it did before. So we'll sing that again in just a little bit. But now let's talk about seeing the unseen. Seeing the unseen. John Patton was a Scottish missionary that went to the South Pacific back in the 1800s. He went to the New Hebrides. 
And at that time, they were populated by cannibals. Uh, That's the mission field that John Patton selected for himself. Uh, Went to an island of cannibals, and he faced great resistance. He made some good progress. He changed things immensely. In fact, right before John Patton had been there, Charles Darwin had been there. Uh, Charles Darwin believed that he had found the missing link. Uh, He thought he had found a species of subhumans by the way that they behaved there. Uh, Cannibalism and other untold things that they did. Uh, Thirty years later, Darwin went back and he was amazed at the change because John Patton had brought Jesus to the island. But John Patton did face a lot of resistance. And one night in particular, he remembers, or remembered in his memoirs, that a chief and his tribe had set out to destroy John Patton and burn down his compound and kill he and his wife. Uh, They could see them out there surrounding the compound. Uh, He and his wife prayed through the night. And in the morning, the hostile forces were gone. A year later, John Patton said he converted the chief of that tribe. And as he talked to him, he asked him about that night. He said, I know you were out there. He said, I know you were there to burn us out. He said, why didn't you attack? And the chief said, because of all those men. There were lots of men surrounding your compound. They were big men. They had swords. And John Patton said, I had no other men. The chief insisted that he and all of his men had seen them. And John Patton finally realized that Lord Sabaoth had sent some of the heavenly host to protect him. Now, I've read different versions of that story. I think preachers enhance stories every once in a while and uh, all sorts of different versions of that. But John Patton told that part himself. And we hear things like that. It kind of strains our credulity a bit. We have trouble believing that. And the reason we have trouble believing that is because we can't see the unseen. Now, that story shouldn't bother us at all. We shouldn't doubt any of it because there is almost an identical story in the Bible. 2 Kings 6, we'll talk about it briefly, but you can read it yourself. Uh, the king of Syria wanted to defeat Israel. And he kept making plans and attacking, and he was always defeated. Uh, it seemed like the king of Israel knew his plans before he carried them out. And he finally asked his advisors, he said, how do they know what we're doing? And somebody told him, oh, it's Elisha. Uh, Elisha, that prophet of Jehovah, uh, he's telling the king of Israel. He knows what your plans are. He said, find me Elisha. I want to kill him. And sources came back and said, he's in Dothan, and you can find him in Dothan. So king of Syria sent a great army. In fact, let me just read it from Second Kings 6. Uh, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, behold, he's in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. 
when the servant of the man of God arose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Two key points in that reading. Verse 16 of Second Kings 6. Elisha says, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And in 2 Kings 6, 17, Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. All right, here's the two points. The angelic army was there, but they weren't seen. And I wonder, you'll you'll hear me say that a lot in the summer, I wonder about a lot of things. I wonder if Elisha could see them or if Elisha just believed that they were there. The Bible doesn't tell us, so I don't know. Uh, But the man of God uh, believed they were there at least and maybe he could see them. And he asked that, Lord, let my servant be able to see the unseen. Now, once again, that shouldn't surprise us. The Bible talks about those kind of things. Psalm 91, verses 9 through 11, the psalmist says, Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, He will command His angels concerning you. He will send angels to take care of you. The, the heavenly host will be sent to protect you, to guard you in all your ways, the psalmist says. Now, the Bible's clear on that, but the problem is we don't know how. We don't know how all that works. Uh, We can't see the unseen. And because we don't know how it works, I think sometimes we tend not to think about it much. Uh, we, We don't tend to talk about it. When we hear a story like John Patton's, we sing the I don't know if I believe that or not. But the Bible's pretty clear that that kind of thing happens. Uh, Sometimes we dismiss such things as Old Testament stories. Those are Old Testament stories. You know, they had fiery furnaces with people walking around in them. And they had lion's dens where angels stopped the lion's mouths. They had all that kind of stuff back then. That stuff goes all the way through the New Testament, folks. That stuff goes all the way to 2023. It's never been canceled. Uh, we just don't see the unseen. The Bible's clear in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Here's what Paul said about it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul says there is a spiritual realm. 
there is a realm where there are beings that are spiritual, not fleshly. We can't see them. They are unseen. But that's who the, where the real battle is. That's where the real problem is, is the forces of good and evil are battling each other. We don't see it, but it's there. Now, and I started thinking about this topic a few weeks ago, and the more I thought about it, the more I wondered. I, I, I will probably never preach a sermon where I know as little about what I'm talking about as I will today. Uh, this is a whole lot of wondering. Uh, this may not be a wonderful sermon, but it will be a sermon full of wonder. So, uh, I wonder a lot of things about this unseen world. Uh, I finally narrowed it down to just two things I want to discuss with you quickly. Uh, the first question I wonder about is if we could see the unseen. <clears throat> if we could see the unseen. What would we see? I mean, that's a <clears throat> great uh, sense of, or a source of wonder to me. Uh, we don't know what angels uh, look like. Uh, we're told a little bit about them in the Bible. We're told there's some different kinds of angels. There's seraphim and cherubim and archangels, at least three kinds we know of. Uh, told a little bit about what they look like maybe when they appear on earth when they unseen does become seen which happens when they do they seem to appear in different ways sometimes they're just like men uh, Abraham mistook them for just normal men uh, sometimes they're huge and bright and fearsome and shining and cause people to faint uh, we don't know what angels look like. We're told very little about them. Uh, when we picture them, uh, well, we are told that they have swords sometimes. Uh, meant, horses are mentioned. Uh, how riddle literal that is or symbolic, I don't know. But uh, we don't know. And I'll say that a lot in this sermon too. I don't know. But I wonder uh, what they look like. Here's a painting that somebody did of the story that we just read. Uh, maybe it looked like that. Well, the earthly armies on the ground and the angelic armies in the clouds around them. Uh, horses, or chariots of fire, all of that. Well, we don't know if that's exactly what it looked like. Makes us think, though. Makes us wonder. And we do get a few peeks behind the curtain about what goes on in the spiritual world. Uh, we're not told what it looks like very clearly, but we're, we are given some peeks. There's an interesting story in First Kings 22. Micaiah was prophesying against Ahab. And he told Ahab right before he died in battle... He told Ahab what he saw happening in heaven. And he said, <clears throat> there was a day in heaven when the Lord was on his throne <clears throat> and all of the hosts were there on his right hand and his left hand. And the Lord said to them, who will go and deceive Ahab? 
into going into battle. Which is kind of an odd question from the Lord, but Micaiah went on and said, they discussed different things, and finally one spirit said, I will go. And the Lord said, how will you do it? And he said, I'll be a lying spirit in his mouth, in the mouth of his prophets. Now, that picture confuses us. Why would someone in the heavenly host be a lying spirit? Well, it doesn't just say heavenly host. It says all the hosts. In Job chapter 1, there was a day when all the hosts came together before the Lord and Satan came among them. See, we don't know how that spiritual world works, but in this occasion, Micaiah said that one spirit, probably Satan in my opinion, or one of his demons said, I'll go and be a lying spirit. I'll cause his prophets to lie to them, and Satan and Ahab died as a result. Now, the story in Job, I, I wonder how all that happens. How is Satan allowed in the presence of God and still controlled by God, told what he can and can't do? We get a few peeks behind the curtain. Revelation 12 begins, Now war arose in heaven. John the Revelator goes on to tell us in symbolic language, but I think this part of it is an accurate representation of what happened sometime after the beginning. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but were defeated. And there were no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth. The revelator tells us about that, and we want to picture that. We want to see what Michael looks like. We want to see what all the heavenly hosts look like. We'd like to see what Satan looks like. And we don't know, but it happened. Satan rebelled for some reason against God. It was his pride, according to some uh, mentions. And there was a great battle, a war in heaven. Well, Ephesians 6.12 says that battle is still going on in a sense. Satan's been limited, he's been cast out, his domain is the earth, but there's still a battle going on between the forces of good and evil. Martin Luther said, Satan is more powerful than us, we're not his equal in this battle, but Lord Sabaoth will win the battle. So, as little as we know about this, and as much as we wonder about it, it's happening. The, the unseen is there, whether we can see it or not. Here's a question for you. How, how do you envision Satan? What do you think he looks like? 
I mean, he's pictured in all sorts of ways, usually grotesque and with horns and forked tail sometimes and all sorts of fanciful things. In The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson, the director, wanted to portray Satan appearing throughout Christ's last few days. He wanted to show Satan somehow. And what he came up with was this. Kind of an androgynous, not quite male, not quite female, little bit creepy, kind of shows up in the background. And when the Lord is being flogged, the camera pans the crowd and walking behind it is this creature watching the events. And it happens a number of times during the movie. I don't know what Satan looks like. Probably not anything like what we imagine sometimes. But I know he's engaged in battle with us. Now, Satan's forces are limited. Uh, They've been chained uh, by Michael. Uh, And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But uh, what would we see if we could see the unseen? We'd see a battle going on. We'd see good forces. And in our mind, they would be, oh, beautiful, tall, strong Blonde, armored, ready to go. And the demons would be grotesque, creepy little creatures. But they're at battle. The Bible's clear on that. Second question for you. If we could see the unseen, number one, what would we see? Number two, how would we react? It's interesting in the story that we read. We're not told how Elisha's servant reacted just as he saw them I wonder what he really did and my guess is he calmed down he probably got real chill about that time when he saw who was with him uh, he probably walked a little taller he might have taunted the Syrians just a little bit <laughs> you see that that's what I'm talking about Uh, I don't know what he did, but what he did doesn't really matter. If we could see the unseen, how would we react? Well, I think of a few things that we'd do. I, I think possibly we'd be frightened. I think if we could see the demonic forces especially, if we could see where they are, and see how prevalent they are. Uh, they don't just live in Hollywood. You know, they're everywhere. And if we could see them somehow, when you drop your kids off at school, if you could see the demonic forces that surround the school, when you go to your workplace, wherever you go, if you could really see the demonic forces, I think we'd be frightened. 
Some of you may have read books by Frank Peretti from a number of years ago, but the first one was called This Present Darkness. And he portrays this spiritual warfare going on in very realistic, creative terms. Now, I kind of hate to recommend it because he's got a lot of bad theology in there. He has the demons doing things that demons don't have the power to do. Uh, Demons are not omnipotent. Demons are not omniscient. Satan's not omniscient. Demons can't take us over and make us do things. Peretti's got a lot of that in there. But if you want to read a real frightening portrayal of the spiritual warfare going on in the world, read a Peretti book sometime. Uh, He describes the demonic forces trying to do what they want to do and the angelic forces defeating them and uh, people being troubled in the middle of all of it. Very interesting. Like I said, it's not theological correct, but it's, it's interesting. So I think if we could see it, we'd be frightened, whether they look like what Peretti thinks they do or not. Uh, beyond being frightened, I think we'd be really encouraged if we could see the forces of good. Uh, Just like John Patton was encouraged when he figured that out, I think if we could see those, uh, we would be extremely encouraged. Uh, Just to see in our story, think about this, all the servant saw was the angels. The angels didn't do anything. The angels were just there. That was all the servant needed. From there, Elisha took care of things. He went down and dealt with the army, but the angels were just there. If we could just see that they're there, I think we'd be hugely encouraged. Third thing I think we'd do in reaction, I think we'd pray more. If we could see this battle going on, I think we would pray more, and I think we would pray differently if we understood that the Lord Sabaoth will win the battle and he will command his angels to guard you. If we could see that happening somehow, I think we would pray a lot different. In fact, if we could see the unseen, if we could see what goes on at schools and with our students, I would have made a different announcement this morning. The announcement I made about prayer pals would have gone like this. Okay, please stop volunteering. We have so many volunteers for prayer pals that we're going to have to assign two prayer pals to each student. And we've just got too many. So find something else to do with your little spare time each day. But we don't need any more prayer pals. Am I wrong? If we could see the unseen, we would understand that when our students walk into school, we need somebody asking for some of the heavenly hosts to be there. And we need that student to understand that somebody here is making sure that happens. If we could see the unseen, we would be a little bit frightened. We'd be a lot encouraged. We'd pray differently. I think we'd act differently. 
We see some of the things that happened in the Bible. We wonder, how did they do that? The, the one we sang before the Lord's Supper about 10,000 years. How did Jesus do all of that on the cross? How did he put up with what they did to him? Uh, the flogging, the taunting, the mocking, the, all that happened by that crowd. And then say, forgive them, Father. I think the way he did that is he could see the unseen. He could see the scene, those, those people down in front of him that were taunting him. And he knew that wasn't a real battle. He knew why they were doing that. They were caught up in the spiritual battle, but the real battle was in the unseen world. And, and he could see that and ask for their forgiveness. He knew where the real battle was going on. He, yes, he could see 10,000 angels. And he could have called them, but he didn't. Because he could also see the victory. And when he said, it is finished, I believe he could see Michael draw his sword and prepare to chain Satan forever. He knew the battle had been won. He could see the unseen. I wish I knew what Michael looked like. I have a picture of Michael in my office. I have a picture of Michael the archangel. And in one hand, he's got his sword. In his other hand, he's got a chain that's attached to Satan. Now, that's a great picture. I'm not sure if it's real accurate, but it's a great picture. But I don't have it for the picture. I have it for the little saying that the artist, when she finished painting the picture, she put this little saying on it, and I'll show it to you. She wrote on the painting, in the battle, lines are drawn. Strength has gathered. You are not alone. She reminds us that if you can see the unseen, you understand you're not alone. That lines have been drawn. There are good and evil forces, and the battle is going on. But strength has gathered on your side. They've surrounded your compound, if you will. You're not alone in this battle. That's why I have that picture. I don't know a lot. And I've told you that over and over this morning. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder this. One thing I do know is what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Okay. What is faith? Faith is knowing that the unseen is there. Even though I can't see it, <clears throat> faith is knowing that the unseen is there. The conviction of things not seen. What is walking by faith? Walking by faith is living like you can see the unseen. 
We can't see it. God let very few people get a glimpse of that. Elisha's servant was one of the few in this world that ever got to see. But walking by faith is walking like you can see. That's what Elisha said to his servant before he could see. He said, don't be afraid. There's more with us than there are with them. And maybe Elisha thought that should do it. Yeah, I mean, we tell each other. We have to say, have faith. And sometimes it doesn't quite do it, does it? Well, Elisha maybe saw that look on his servant's face and said, all right, Lord, let him see. Uh, Let him see so he can see that it's really there. Uh, I wish we could do that. But we haven't been granted that, so we walk by faith. That's the conviction of things not seen. When Elijah told his servant that the ones that are with us are more than those with him, that's very similar to a verse in 1 John. When John was writing to Christians during a time of persecution probably, uh, he, he told them in 1 John 4, 4, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Okay. Now that verse is powerful. And I could have just put that verse all by itself on a slide. And it would have been true. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But what I I tried to do here is if you could see what's really going on. If you could see it That verse gets more powerful. So I found this picture of a demonic force attacking and a a heavenly force resisting it. I don't know if it looks like anything like that, but it happens. That's exactly what John is saying. He's saying, yes, (laughs) the ancient foe is going to attack you. He came came to kill and steal and destroy. He wants to take you with him to the lake of fire. But the force that is in you is stronger than him. You're not his equal, but the force in you is. When we're baptized, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Satan and his demons can try as they will, but they cannot defeat the Holy Spirit. That's what John's saying. If we could see the unseen, I think it would make a huge difference. I encourage you this morning, uh, make the effort. Take time. Think about it. In, In situations, decide to see the unseen. I saw the unseen Tuesday know your Bible student from Hutchinson contacted us and said she was interested in being baptized, had been watching the program. Name's Vicki Vincent. I contacted Wayne DeWent over at the Eastwood Church and got him contacted with her and they talked a while and Vicki said she wanted to be baptized, but she really wanted to be baptized at Northside because she watches the program and wanted to meet us and all that. So 
Last Tuesday, she met us here at the building, and Wayne came over from Hutchison to get to know her better and all of that. And after discussing things for a while, she agreed that she wanted to be baptized. Now, Sunday and Wednesdays, when we have a baptism here, uh, there's usually a crowd gathers down here waiting for our new brother or sister to come out after baptism. Well, last Tuesday, there were just four of us. Wayne and I and Sandy and Becky were here, and that was the crowd. On Sundays and Wednesdays when it happens, there's usually some cheering and some hand clapping and rejoicing goes on. Well, Tuesday, there was some cheering and clapping and rejoicing going on, but it wasn't seen. The heavenly host was rejoicing when Becky came out from the back. And she was rejoicing as much as anybody I've ever seen rejoice after a baptism. She was thrilled to death. Great lady. But there was a rejoicing going on in heaven. I saw the unseen. And you say, how did you see the unseen? Well, by faith. Because the Bible tells me so. The Bible says when a sinner comes to Jesus, the angels rejoice. I saw the unseen. There's so much in the unseen world that we wonder about. Uh, We do know some things, and I hope I've shared some of those with you today. Uh, If you believe that there's a spiritual battle going on, I guess the question is, whose side are you on? Uh, The Lord invites us to be on his side, to be part of, of that group of chosen, those who are called out from the world to be protected by his angels, to receive the Holy Spirit, uh, to live a blessed life. If you need to do that this morning and put Christ on in baptism, we'll invite you to go to the back and visit with an elder. If you have some other need this morning of this group of Christians, we invite you to go talk to an elder. Let's stand and sing.